This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Welcome to everyone that's here today, and I want to hope that everybody has a nice uh, Memorial Day and enjoys with family. Um, it's nice to have the time off, right? Amen? But what is the real reason we're celebrating Memorial Day? It's to remember, is it not? Yeah. And uh, we're going to honor all those who have served in the armed forces, both past and present. And all of us owe a tremendous uh, debt of gratitude to the brave men and women who died in service to our nation. Amen? To whom we could never repay for their bravery and dedication. Billy Graham once said, the freedoms we enjoy, the freedoms we take so much for granted, the freedoms we so often trifle with, were bought not by the gold of our millionaires, nor altogether the genius of our scientists, nor the sacrifices of the people at home, but primarily by the blood, sweat, and agony of those whose names on this day we honor, those who died that we might live. As we think of the selflessness and heroism of such men and women, we are reminded of the words of Jesus Christ, who said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. So at this, at this time, I'd like to ask anyone that's ever served or is serving in the armed forces to stand to their feet, or if you have a family member that's currently serving or has served in the armed forces, please stand to your feet. And I'm going to, thank you, and I'm going to read, just bear with me one minute, I'm going to read the names. We asked, um, there was a Facebook post asking for uh, anyone that had family that's serving in the military, and I want to read the names. Alan Vitus serving in the Marines, Benjamin Thomas serving in the Marines, Daryl Thomas in the Marines, Thomas Bochiccio in the Army, Mark Genoa in the Air Force, Megan Danko in the Army, Nina Lopez in the Army. Brandon Nadeau in the Army, and Louis Cambino in the Navy, and I'm sure there's many others that, are, that I did not mention, but at this time, while you're standing, I'm just going to have a moment. Let's bow our heads and pray for those that are serving right now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and all those families represented and individuals represented here, Father, serving in the military, we ask you, Lord, your blessing to be upon them. We ask your favor to be upon them. We ask you to protect them with angels. We ask, Lord, that you help them to find fellowship with other Christian believers. And Father, we ask you to give them wisdom in all the decisions they make. And for the families that they represent, may you encourage and strengthen them, Lord. And give, strengthen their faith, Lord God. And help them to trust you at this time. We thank you so much. We, we are so grateful, Lord, for all those who have served and are currently serving, willing to give the ultimate sacrifice in service to the nation and for the sake of freedom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Yes, amen. My father, my father who went to be with the Lord uh, this past summer, uh, he served in the United States Army right at the end of the Korean War. And um, actually, he was, he was just about to go to Korea. Um, he was one of the last groups in the army that were going to go there. And uh, he, got, he got silly. He got, very, he, got, he got ill. And he was not able to go. And thankfully, most of that uh, division that went uh, did not come back. So... Um, and then, right, that was right at the end of the Korean War. But we are so grateful for those willing to give the ultimate sacrifice. Amen? So is it not important to remember? It's important, right? How many of you have a hard time remembering? Raise your hands if you have a hard time remembering. My hand is raised. But I'd like to talk about the importance of remembering. And the importance when it comes to God's Word and and following Christ. And I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about remembering the past, remembering the present, and remembering the future. So the first thing I want to talk about is remembering the past. And when we remember the past, how many of you know God gives us 
wisdom. That's wise to look at the past, is it not? To learn some of the things that happened so that we can make good decisions and, and have the right attitude going forward. Amen? So look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers at Corinth. And it says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. And another word for good news is what? Gospel, right? And verse 2 says this, It is the good news or the gospel that saves you. If you continue to believe the message I told you, now, if it's important that we continue to believe the message, is it not important that we remember what the message is? Amen? Just to be clear, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Verse 3 says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. And if there's anyone here doubting or anyone reading those words doubting, the apostle says, it's just as the scripture said. And because the scriptures foretold or prophesied Jesus suffering. It validates the truth of what, he's, what this, the good news is. It validates the truth. It confirms the truth. So there's no need to doubt this. This is absolutely true. In fact, it has been foretold in the Old Testament scriptures that this would happen. <clears throat> so you say, well, what scriptures? What scriptures are we talking about? What, where is it found in the Old Testament? I'm glad you asked that question. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5. It says this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. How many of you know how many years before Christ came was that written? Does anybody know? Roughly? 700 years before. Is that not in a, almost a perfect explanation of what Jesus went through? Foretold, prophesied that Jesus would come and that he would suffer. He was pierced. He was broken. He was bruised. Because he deserved it? Absolutely not, because we deserved it. All of us, like sheep, all of us have sheep, we, we, like sheep, we've gone astray. We've gone our own way. The Bible says that how many have sinned? All. all. Say it again. All. And, and how many percentages points is that? 100%. All have sinned. You, me, everyone born on the face of the earth, except one, has sinned. We have all sinned. All of us, like sheep, have, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. All of our sins, when Jesus was on that cross, he bore all of our sins. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, he bore the sins of the world. And a holy God had to look away, had to turn away because of his holiness. But Jesus was our sacrifice. He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Verse 7, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. It's exactly what happened, is it not? One scholar pointed out that there are, there are as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament that either describe 
point to or reference the coming Messiah. 574 different scripture references to what, when Jesus would come. Continuing in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. He, that's Jesus, was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And all of these witnesses to the fact that after he died are proof that he is alive. Amen? This is proof of the resurrection. Verse 8, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth. It says, I also saw him. And how many of you remember uh, Paul's experience on the Damascus Road? Paul's conversion experience, amen? As he was, he was on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus with letters, Right? To arrest all those who, who followed the way. And then suddenly, a bright light shone around him. And there was, he heard a voice saying, Paul, Paul, or Saul, Saul, he was still named Saul at that point. Why are you persecuting me? And it knocked him to the ground and he said, Lord. Lord, who are you? And then the voice said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Can you imagine Paul up to that point? He, had, he wanted to throw everyone in prison or get them killed that followed Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine what he felt like on that road, on that, at that moment in time when it was Jesus speaking to him? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Well, the Bible says that he was blinded and he had to be led and he was led to Damascus, and ultimately a man named Ananias, God called a man named Ananias to come visit him. And he laid hands on him and prayed for him, and his, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see. And he all of a sudden realized, and he had, been, he had not eaten for three days, or, or had any water for three days. So he was in, he was in a state of repentance. And he realized God had called him. And I must, it says, I must show Saul the great things that he must suffer for my namesake. Amen? Amen. That was, and, and when, I, when I get to heaven, I want to see, I, I wish, I'm praying, I, I want to see that event in history. Amen? I want to see that. I want to see what happened. Because that, that is one of the most tremendous moments in history because Paul, as many of you know, wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he did, he did great things for the kingdom of God. Amen? Look what it says in Luke 22. Remember the past. Luke 22, verse 19 says this. And he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And every time... We share communion as a body of believers. We remember, amen? We remember what Jesus went through, that he gave everything, that he gave his very life so that we could be saved. Amen? Do this to remember me. Every time you do this, every time you share in communion, remember that I gave the ultimate sacrifice. Remember that it's my body that was a substitute for you. Remember that my blood was shed so that you could be healed, so that you could be forgiven. Remember, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Now I have a question for you. <clears throat> do you remember when you were saved? Yes. Yes. How many of you remember? Wow, almost everybody. How, let me ask you this, is there, how many of you are saved? Okay, almost everybody, that's good, that's good. Do you remember when you were saved? Do you remember what you were like before you were saved? Do you remember that? Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says this. Once you were dead. Everybody say that with me. Dead. Because of your disobedience and your many sins. Do you know that before you came to Christ, you were spiritually dead? 
Oh, you may have been alive. You may have been think, thinking you were living high on life. But you were spiritually dead before you came to know Christ. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. <clears throat> Verse 2, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. And maybe you didn't know it. But you're, you were obeying the devil. You and I, before we were saved, because you can either serve God or you serve the devil. We were serving Satan. If you're not saved, you're serving Satan. And you're going to serve someone, either God or the devil. The command, and it says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And that's the difference. When you come to Christ, you turn from those things that separate you. You turn from your sin. That's called repentance. You acknowledge your need for a Savior. And you come being willing to turn from those things and trust in Jesus Christ as, as Lord and Savior. Amen? But before, before that point in time, we're obeying the devil. And every, almost everybody that is not saved doesn't even realize that they're obeying the devil. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way. And this is the apostle saying this. All of us. This is the apostle Paul. This is the one that was the most religious person of his day. The scripture says that based on the law, based on keeping the law, Paul was perfect. He had kept everything in the law. But he says of himself, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And Paul wrote, and he also testified that it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am chief. That's what the apostle wrote. This religious, extremely religious person. He said, I am the chiefest of sinners. Verse 4 says this, but God is so rich in mercy. How many of you are glad for God's mercy? And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Can somebody say hallelujah? He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Gave us life. It is only by God's grace or God's enabling power that you have been saved. We are saved by his grace, amen? amen. Not by our works. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And look in that section of scripture, there's three things that God did for believers, that he did for Jesus Christ. Number one, he made us alive. We were dead, spiritually dead. But he made us alive. And now we can have a relationship with the living God. Amen? Amen. Number two, he raised us up. He raised us up with Christ. And we can experience resurrection power. Amen? Amen. Paul said that I might know him. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. We can experience that resurrection power because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And the third thing is he did for believers when he saved us. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms. And we share Christ's victory over demonic powers. Do you know that? Because he raised Christ from the dead. He seated us in heavenly places. And we are no longer obligated to follow the world, the devil, or our flesh. Amen? Amen. Amen. Ephesians 2, verse 8 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? It's a gift. And like any other gift, it has to be received, amen, by faith. And it's by his grace, 
by his grace, getting something we don't deserve. That's what grace is, right? And mercy is not getting something we do deserve. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. None of us can stand here and say, well, I did such and such good things. And this is why I'm here. This is why I'm, I'm saved. Nobody can take credit for salvation. Not one person. Salvation is not a reward, verse 9, for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Point to your neighbor and say, you're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. Another, another version says we are his workmanship. Right? We are his masterpiece. After we're saved by grace through faith, we are his masterpiece. And listen to this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Are good things the right thing to do as believers? Absolutely, yes. But the good things themselves do not save us. Our sin separates us from God, and the only thing that can cover our sin or actually take it away is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we are saved by grace through faith, but we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago, just like he took the Apostle Paul on that Damascus road. He took Paul, the one who was persecuting the church the most, and if you remember, the believers in Damascus were fearful <clears throat> that Paul was coming to them because in a, in a vision, Ananias said, you know, Lord, this is the one that's been persecuting the church. This is the one that goes after us. This is the one that wants to kill us. And he said, no, this is the one that I'm, I've called. This is the one I've called to be my servant. And you must show him the great things he must suffer for my namesake. So we are his masterpiece. We are his workmanship. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say that. New person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Just like we were dead in our sins, we are made alive. It's a new life. It's a spiritual birth. Jesus said that you must be born again. And that's what it means, being born of the Spirit. And he had this conversation. Do you remember it in John chapter 3? Who was he talking to? Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus came to him at night. He didn't want to be seen. He was asking him these questions. <clears throat> and he said, Nicodemus, <clears throat> that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You're a teacher of the law. How come you don't know these things? Verse 7, let's pick it up in verse 7. John 3, verse 7 says, So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. <clears throat> just like the wind is invisible, is it not? But we see the effects of it, do we not? Have we ever experienced a hurricane or a tornado? We see the effects of the wind, but the wind itself is invisible. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. It's invisible, but we see the effects. And I can tell you this, that when I accepted Christ, it was April 2nd, 1989, and I came to a I, the, the message I heard was, Behold the Lamb of God, John 1.29, that takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And yes, I had the seeds planted. I had, I had been to, when I, I went to Yukon and, and uh, the, the Campus Crusade for Christ planted seeds. And, and the Gideons gave me a little New Testament. And I was searching. And these were all seeds that were planted. But that day, I heard that message, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And no matter how religious, I was, I was raised in a relatively religious church, uh, you know, uh, family. And, but I had to realize that none of those things, none of that religion. You see, religion's kind of like a band-aid. 
it gives you a little bit of comfort, but it doesn't really heal you. You know what I mean? And it was that day I heard that message, and, I, and it was as clear. I mean, I thought I was the only person. There was over 2,000 people in that auditorium, and I thought I was the only person. I literally thought I was the only person there. Because how can he know exactly what I'm going through? How can he know where I'm at? How is, how is that possible? And the invitation was given to give your life to Christ. Give your life. Turn away from sin. That's repentance. And trust in Jesus Christ. Stop trusting in your goodness. Stop trusting in your background. Stop trusting in your family. You must trust in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? So I, that day, April 2nd, 1989, 23 years old, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I gave my heart to the Lord. And physically, I didn't look any different. But spiritually, let me tell you, everybody that saw me knew something happened. Something changed. Something changed. I made a commitment. I received Christ. I received forgiveness. I knew I was forgiven. I didn't know anything about the Bible, really. But I knew I was forgiven because I had that peace. I had the assurance that I had received Christ. Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. <clears throat> Do you remember when you were, it's important to remember when you were saved, amen? It's important to remember your salvation story. Point two, remember the present. Remember the present. And when we remember the present, it's a matter of trust. And you're going to see in a moment what I mean by that. On May 24, 2022, an 18-year-old young man fatally shot 19 students and two teachers and wounded 17 others at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. You've heard the story? Yes. It is the third deadliest American school shooting after the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007 and the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in 2012. And I remember that because Sandy Hook, how many, I mean, that's only what, 40 minutes away, right? 45 minutes away, maybe? Right in our, in our greater neighborhood here. And I remember that Sandy Hook shooting. I remember that, and, and that's from my neck of the woods, really. That's kind of where I grew up there. And I remember that uh, one of the parents, Nancy and I, my wife and I, we went to high school with one of the parents. And in fact, there's a camp, there's a YMCA camp in Burlington called Camp Chase that's named after one of the little boy that was shot in that Sandy Hook elementary shooting. But this is the third deadliest, it says, <clears throat> American school shooting after the Virginia Tech shooting in 2007 and the Sandy Hook elementary school shooting in 2012, and the deadliest in the state of Texas. And I heard another story that one of the sur surviving little girls, do you know how she survived? She played dead. And you know how, what she did? Now, this is a 10-year-old little girl. She took some blood and put it over her. Yes. And I, I couldn't help but think, when I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. How many of you know the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin? Amen. And it, it, it's a heart-wrenching story, is it not? So how do we respond? Listen to this. On February 24th, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine. The invasion has caused Europe's fastest growing refugee crisis since World War II, with more than 6.5 million Ukrainians fleeing the country and a third of the population displaced. As of May 25th, there have been more than 15,000 Ukrainian and Russian military casualties and more than 4,600 civilian casualties, of which 404 have been children. Remember the present. Is it not easy to get caught up in our own little world, to get preoccupied in what we're doing, taking care of our family, going to work, paying the bills, and not seeing the big, bigger picture? So how do you think we should respond? What's the first thing we can do? Pray. Absolutely. Pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17 and 18 say, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We need to, as believers, 
We need to pray like we've never prayed before. Amen? We are in an unstable, uncertain, chaotic world. And how many of you know it's important that we are always prayerful, always in an attitude of prayer, always ready to pray, instant in prayer? Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. How many of you believe that? And if we believe that, wouldn't you think we'd be praying like literally all day long? Amen? Amen. 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 But sometimes if we believe that, sometimes I wonder, right? If we believe in a God that can do infinitely more than we ask or think, isn't it a little embarrassing sometimes how little we pray? Would you agree with that? How many of you want to pray more? We need to pray more. We need to learn to pray more. And what's another way that we can, we can respond? What is another way? In, in light of what's going on around us, the bigger picture, what is another thing that we can do as believers? What would you say? Reach out? How about share our faith? Amen? If we're living in a world that's so unstable, so uncertain, isn't it so important for us as believers to be the light in the darkness, to let our light shine? Amen? Sharing our faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready. Be instant. Be ready. In season, out of season. When it's the right time, when it's not the right time. <clears throat> and I was preaching this last night. And um, I thought, I would love to have an object lesson right now. And I literally turned over here. And I felt like, remember Abraham up on the mountain with his son Isaac? And he was about to, right? Because that's what God called him to do. But God held his hand. And he said, God provided a sacrifice, didn't he? That was my ram in the thicket right over there. You see this right here? This, this spreader? Does everybody know what this is? That's a seed spreader. Amen? And, and just like, just like, we, we spread seed. We spread the seed of his word. Amen? How do we do that? How do we do that? Sharing our testimony? Right? Witness. Tell people about Jesus. And that's just like spreading seed. Amen? And you know, I thought about this. <clears throat> it's not going to work if there's, there's no seed within it. Right? So that's like, make sure we're ready to share it. Make sure we know what our salvation story is. Make sure we have a good handle on the scriptures that people need to hear in order to be saved. And I thought of this too. How about this? There's a little adjustment setting on there, right? Adjust the rate. How many of you know we have to be led by His Spirit also, amen? When we're sharing. There's times, and I can testify when I was first saved, I would beat people over the head, right? With the Bible. And there's times when, sadly, I missed an opportunity. So we have to, we have to set that dial, we have to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit when we witness, right? Amen? Some people, we can just say, ask them, hey, are you saved? Have you ever asked somebody, are you saved? Have you ever asked somebody that? Are you saved? It can, some people have a hard time saying that, right? Well, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of me if I ask them that? But sometimes that's what they need to hear. Even if they do make fun of you, or even if they do get annoyed, you know what? I guess, I bet this, they'll never forget it. They'll never forget that someone asked them, are you saved? I didn't ask if you go to church, but are you saved? So just like that, we spread the seed of his word. And one of us plants, right? And another waters. But who brings the increase? God brings the increase. One plants, another waters. But God brings the increase. Look with me in Psalm 103, verse 2. It says this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. May I never forget the good. And when you share your relationship with someone, when you share your, your relationship with Jesus Christ with someone, is, is it not important to tell them 
the good things God has done for us. Amen? He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. Amen? Amen. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And just like me, when I drive through that Dunkin' Donuts and they give me that senior discount without asking for it, I can tell them my youth is renewed like the eagles, the Bible says. What? Yes. How many of you ever gotten a, a senior discount without asking for it? It happens to me all the time. All the time. And I always get depressed. I'm, right, I'm getting money off, but I'm not I'm depressed. I'm like, I don't feel like a senior. I know I look like one, but I don't feel like one. He fills my life with good things. Amen. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And I have a memory verse card. Back on that back. When you leave today, make sure you pick up a memory verse card with this verse on it, Psalm 103. And incidentally, we were singing verse 1 in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That's verse 1. But this starts verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Amen. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Make sure you pick up one of those and let's, let's all of us commit to try to memorize that verse. Amen. Let me never forget the good things he does for me. Third point. Remember the future. Remember the future. Now, does that sound like a contradiction in terms? How do we remember the future? Well, remembering the future, another definition of it is faith. Listen to this. 2 Peter 3, verse 1 says this. This is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I have tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember... Take note, I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. Verse 3, most importantly, I want to remind you, he says remember like three times in the first three verses. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. Are we not in that age right now, would you say? Okay. Scoffers come mocking the truth and following their own desires. Verse 4, they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world has first created. What, what, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming? Have you ever talked to someone? I, I've, I've talked to people. And I've told them, you know, Jesus is coming back. Oh, they've been saying that for years. I've been hearing that for years. Oh, are you one of those holy rollers? Been saying that for years. Laugh. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. Listen to how, how it says it in the message, the, verse 4. 2 Peter 3, verse 4 in the Message Bible says this. They'll mock. So what's happened to the promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried, and everything's Going on just as it has from the first day of creation, nothing's changed. I've talked to people. I've talked to people that say, you know, they've been saying that for years, but if it hasn't happened by now, is it really going to happen? Yeah, I believe in God, but Jesus coming back? Verse 5, 2 Peter 3, verse 5 says this. They, the mockers deliberately forget. How many of you know you can deliberately forget things? You can put them out of your mind. That God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. How many of you know about Noah? Amen? And what happened? How many souls were saved? Eight souls were saved in the ark. Amen? And how long did he build that boat? 400 years. Imagine the faith. Building a boat for 400 years. 
And what did the people around, how did they react to him building the boat? Laugh, mock, they were mocking him. It's crazy, spending all his time building that boat. Everything stayed the same. It's beautiful. The, the, the world is beautiful. It's beautiful. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And it says this in 11, Hebrews 11.7. It says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Remember, Noah and his household were saved by faith in God's word. Amen? He understood they had never happened before, and that's why everybody else that lived on the earth was making fun of him because the things that he was warning them about had never happened before. And the Bible says, just like it was in the days of Noah, it'll be just before the Son of Man comes back. People will be eating and drinking, giving and mar marrying, giving in marriage, going on like everything's hunky-dory. 2 Peter 3, 7 says... And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. The first world was destroyed by the flood, right? And then there was a, a sign that God gave to indicate he would never destroy the world again by water. What was that sign? The rainbow, right? But the second destruction will be by fire. By the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 says, But you must not forget, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, no. He is being patient for your sake. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He does not. How many of you know that? God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He wants all, giving time, he wants to allow enough time for people to come repent of their sin and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Remember, God's patience and Jesus' return allows people time to repent. 2 Peter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. That's a little terrifying to read, isn't it? So, verse 11, but listen to what it says, verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Amen? Holy and godly lives, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. And how many of you know that when we share our testimony, when we share our faith, when we witness to people, that is part of hurrying it along because the scripture says that this gospel will be preached in all the world. Everyone will have a chance to hear it and either receive it or reject it. And then the end will come. So when we share, when we plant seeds, when we witness, we are doing our part, looking forward to that day. We are looking to that day that that Jesus is coming back and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward, and this is where faith comes in. We're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Amen? Amen. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, listen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. As we wait for that day, as we look with the eyes of faith to see that day ahead of us, as we remember the future, that's faith, let us be found holy, pure, and blameless in his light, living godly, holy lives, 
until he comes back. And remember, our Lord's, verse 15, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul has wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. So God, in delaying Jesus coming back, is allowing time for people to repent of their sin and trust him as their Savior. Amen? Amen. And this is how you and I can be involved in that process. Every moment, every opportunity we have to share our faith May we plant the seeds. Amen? Just like when you, when you take that spreader and, and you, you spread the seed, not all of it germinates, right? Not all of it grows. But if you never, if you never do it, if you never spread the seed, nothing's going to grow, right? Doesn't mean that every person we witness to will receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. But, it, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Amen? Remember... Jesus, Jesus is coming back, amen? Jesus is coming back for the Lord himself. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, who are, then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds, we call this the rapture. We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Amen? Singing praise to him for 10,000 years as the song proclaimed, right? Forever and ever. We will be with the Lord forever, praising him. And then verse 18 says, so encourage each other with these words. And how many of you know that the early church, when they met, the early church was under tremendous persecution. Amen? And they used to greet each other by saying shalom, which is peace be with you, right? But after a while, the persecution got intense, and they would, they, instead of saying shalom, they, you know what they would say? They would say maranatha. Do you know what that means? Maranatha? It means our Lord is coming. Don't forget. Don't forget. Our Lord is coming. He promised to come back. Maranatha. Our Lord is coming. So no matter how Difficult it gets here on earth in our commitment to follow the Lord. Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Amen? Remember the past, that's wisdom. Remember your salvation. Remember your salvation. Remember what you were before you were saved. Remember the present. Let's not be too preoccupied with our own lives that we don't see the bigger picture. Remember the world events that are going on. Remember that we live in a very uncertain, chaotic world. And it's important for us that scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Love, power, and a sound mind. It's very important for us in this present age as believers to operate in that spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen? And then finally, remember the future. Remember your future. Remember my future as believers. Remember that Noah was saved by his trust in God's word. Remember that Jesus is coming back. Amen? He will come back. And the only reason it hasn't happened yet is to allow people time to repent. Amen? If you would, let's our heads together and let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your mercy, your mercies that are new every morning. I thank you, God, for this privilege to share your word. Father, may we hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you, Father God. Give us that boldness and courage, Lord, not just to be satisfied with being saved ourselves, but Lord, help us to be your witness, to be your light, to be your mouthpiece, to be that one, those people that operate in love, power, and a sound mind in a world that's chaotic and uncertain with a lot of, so many people are fearful, but you've not given us that spirit of fear. Help us, Lord, to minister to our friends, our family, our neighbors. Help us to be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear, discerning the right thing to say at the right time, Lord. 
And help us to remember that your promise, you are coming back, Father God. You are. You promised to come back. And the only reason you haven't come back yet, Lord, and in your providence, is you're allowing people time to repent, turn from their sin, and trust in you as Lord and Savior. And as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to take this important opportunity to invite anyone here who has never received Jesus Christ, who has never committed their life to Christ, who has never repented of their sin and turned to him in faith. The Bible says, you, Jesus said, you must be born again. So I want everyone to consider what Jesus said. If you've never, if you don't have the assurance of eternal life, I want to respectfully tell you, you need to have that assurance. Because we're living in a world that's very uncertain. And those of you that are here that have already made your commitment to Christ and are born again, I want you to join me as we pray together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know that you love me. And I know that you sent Jesus to die for my sin according to the scriptures. And that Jesus was buried according to the scriptures. And that Jesus rose from the dead according to the scriptures. I believe that, Lord. And now I come to you as a sinner and I turn from my sin and I trust in you to forgive me. I open wide my heart and I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord, as my Savior, and as my soon coming King. Help me to live for you, Lord every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.